This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Player 3 Podcast. In this episode, we have one of our guest hosts, Kyle, talk about Fire Emblem. This is Rip for one of our podcasts. Hope you enjoy. We have a guest on the show today, Kyle. I've introduced him already a little bit. Okay. Hi. Kyle, Kyle, you know quite a bit about Fire Emblem. Uh, unfortunately, I do. It's so, I know nothing about Fire Emblem. Okay. Can you teach me? So, teach Fire, us, please. Fire Emblem is basically like a top-down strategy role-playing game. It's turn-based, and you control like an army of units while looking, looking down. It's sort of like a tiled map, and you know you move them across the map, and... You kill the bad guys and as you, you know, do happy happy endings etc and there there's a lot of like depth to the mechanics you know you have like all these different weapon types and there's what's called the weapon triangle like uh lances beat swords swords beat axes and axes beat lances it's a lot like the whole pokemon thing with like fire water grass that, or like you know, rock paper scissors yeah well uh it, that's not very gamer so Ooh. I had to make a game reference. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a gamer, and I love rock, paper, scissors. That's true. Everyone loves rock, paper, scissors. But it's more complicated but, than that, right? It's, a, it's like magic. There's, there's yeah, you, you get into stuff like magic and then like how, how uh, it plays in a movement type because there's like armor units, and there are weapons that are effective against those armor units and stuff like that. And then you, you have like people that can turn into dragons, and it, it's, so it like, gets crazy. So are dragons an armor unit? They can be. You can be, yeah. You, they really can usually, be. usually they aren't. They're they're like their own their own class. That's kind of hard to get to, right? It's, yeah. Some games allow it, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's usually only like a couple of exclusive units that have that because it's a very like lore based thing, or like a rare species or whatever. Plot based power. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. But really, it's about the story. I would say. Yes. It really moves fire. I I lot. play Fire Emblem primarily for the story. Uh, it's. I'll, most of them have really strong and compelling storylines, you know, with just like good good tales that you can just like really enjoy. It's my favorite Sonic into. character. <laughs> tales, tales gets <laughs> trolled. Read the comic. Yeah. Sorry. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start by uh, talking about the history. And I, I took he, he's right. notes. Oh my gosh, I, I, I he's took got notes because I tend to forget most things prepared a lot. Oh my gosh, ever. here we go. I I just wrote. I just wrote some stuff on a piece of paper, but yeah, it's notes. So, uh, Fire Emblem started with um, a game called Fire Emblem, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and that released on the Famicom back in like the '80s and '90s. That was like pretty. It's the pretty NES old. for all you Americans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I it just said Famicom on, mm-hmm. on Wikipedia. It's the same thing. And then um, it was it was followed by a sequel called Fire Emblem Gaiden. That released on the same um, console, and that's sort of like it's like concurrent to the story of Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light, and it happens on like a different continent, but there are like tie-ins. There are some characters that like are recurring between the two, and then um, there was a direct sequel to um, 
shadow dragon called mystery of the emblem and that had the exact same characters as in the first one it was on the same continent but obviously with a different story that took place later in the timeline and then they sort of switched gears and went to a completely different continent with completely new characters in a game called genealogy of the holy war and that so there's now three storylines yes oh fire emblem games most of them are not concurrent like for the most part the different games are like separated from one another they use like the same mechanics but they all have different stories different timelines different plots different characters all of that right this world is more convoluted than metal gear Eh, not really. It's it's like imagine it's like you just it's like you just it's have like the, to separate them in your mind. There's always okay. something called the fire emblem or some, something yeah, of that sort. So, but, something like that. But like they don't like interconnect. It's like separate. Like they don't have to worry about like it's a separate world. They're different. Yeah, yeah, they're different worlds. Oh, and, and you just you just have to take them as different games. So it's yeah. just the same type of game with different stories. Essentially, different stories like Final characters. Fantasy. Yes. Is Final yeah. Fantasy not like that? Yeah, Final Fantasy. I don't not know like how that. Final Fantasy works. If I'm being honest, I, I, I played a bit of Final Fantasy VI. That's a good. Yeah, one. It was. Yeah, that, that's good. It was, that's it was really fun. Good. I, I got stuck. But yeah, it's like that. So every yeah, I think about every game separately. I mean, maybe some of them are like part of the same world of that game, but like mm-hmm. they're not like it. You don't need to play, you know. Yeah. Once there, connect. there are some that are like sequels okay. or tie into one another, but for the most part, they are separate games. So, for Fire Emblem Four: Genealogy of the Holy War was the first time that you saw that like a completely different world, and um. That and this, it was sort of it was sort of like a sequel. I think it took place because genealogy had a, a time skip, and I think I haven't played Thracia, which is the fifth one. What? It's Thracia seven seventy six because it takes place in the year seven seventy six, and it's like the country or whatever. Okay, um, this, it takes place. So interesting titles now. We're getting some interesting titles. Yeah, um, all all of these games, um, the first six Fire Emblem games only released in Japan. They never received an American release. Really? Because it, it was. It, it wasn't like at that level of popularity. Because Americans yet. can only uh, understand first-person shooters. That's true. There's also that. You know, the Europeans they understand the art. So, so you had, you had genealogy and Thracia, and um, those were definitely harder games. Um, Thracia is well known for being the most difficult Fire Emblem game, just because it's very unforgiving. In Fire Emblem, when you when one of your units dies. Um, you lose them forever, like you cannot get forever. them forever. For forever, wow! Like you, you can like reset your save file, but you gotta like redo the chapter over and stuff. Okay, so you can save scum. Yes, you Good. absolutely can. Yeah. But it's like some some of the chapters, especially late game, get to be longer, like a full hour to do. Oh, so you like, can get to cross this yeah. map. You can get to a point where mm-hmm. you're gonna about to beat the game, but you made one mistake, and you and you gotta and restart that, that chapter. Is, yeah, if you want to keep that character, because you really want that unit. So it comes down to. Is it worth sacrificing this much of my time to reset for this unit that I like? Wow. And, and it's like, but dang, that, that waifu is really hot, and I want her on my <laughs> team. you got to keep your waifus. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Thracia was a really unforgiving game just because of how much it hard punished you for, like, losing your units and stuff like that and really just not knowing how Fire Emblem works. And then after that, they moved to... Um, the Game Boy and Fire Emblem Six, which was called The Binding Blade, um, which features Roy from Super Smash Brothers Melee. I know who that is. A really nice touch. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, the featuring of Marth and Roy in Melee was what prompted the then worldwide release of Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem Seven: The Blazing Blade, which was a prequel 
to Binding Blade. Huh. And six and seven were also their own. And then you have Fire Emblem Eight Sacred Stones. That's a fun one. I like that one. It, it's fun. It's it's an easier it's one. It's more forgiving. That's why. It's, it's got a really <laughs> nice story. Um, that that one was one of the easier ones. Once again, it was a different world. And then you have uh, the best ones, which were Fire Emblem Nine and Ten, and those are Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn. And those two, um, uh, Ten is a sequel to Nine. You'll know exactly what you're talking about. Who 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 is the main character? That the main character of that is Ike, featured in. Super Smash Brothers. I know Brawl. who that is as well. You know who See, that yes, is. Ike is cool, right? Ike is awesome. Yeah. Ike, he's one of the Ike, edgy swords guys. Ike is, yeah. He's he's one of the he's one of the best written characters in Fire Emblem. I'll, I'll get more into that later on why those games are the best. And then um, after that, they um, after Radiant Dawn, they actually did a remake with Number Eleven. They remade the first game, Shadow Dragon, okay. and they brought it onto DS. Uh, Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn were um on gamecube and wii respectively so it was like mm-hmm. a return to console and then they went back onto handheld so they sort of went like back and forth not really sure what they wanted to do right and so you had shadow dragon which was 11 that was a remake of the first game but it was released worldwide so it was now like you know everyone could experience that story but sort of around that time fire emblem sales started to like fall off like they really didn't sell that well like we're talking like a hundred thousand copies worldwide. That's so, not a lot. That's not a lot. That's half as many Tesla Cybertrucks. <laughs> that 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 is the there truth. There have been two hundred thousand Tesla Cybertrucks sold over the past. Who, who's gonna hours. buy them? Dude, if I, I, wish, I wish I had. It's only one hundred and fifty bucks to reserve your spot, so I'm thinking about buying one. Ooh. Really? Yes, yeah, so I can sell the spot later. That's a good point. Oh, okay. that, ooh, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's smart. That's what happened with a lot of the uh, Tesla cars. That people would buy their two thousand dollar spot. And then you sell, sell the spot. spot. Yeah, and yeah. you could sell that spot, and you might have enough money to buy a physical copy of Radiant Dawn. Possibly. Yes, because <laughs> those games, since they did not sell well originally, despite them being the best ones, um, they they are very high price now, going upwards of a hundred on sites like eBay. In addition to needing wow. the actual physical console, they are not cheap. So, anyways, you you started to see this like sort of they fell off a bit economically. And because of that, um, Fire Emblem 12, which was a remake of the third game, uh, Mystery of the Emblem. Um, they, they called it New Mystery of the Emblem, like really, really creative guys. Um, and that was only released in Japan. And that was the first time they had done that since The Binding Blade in, uh, back in like 2001. And basically, Nintendo went to Intelligent Systems, the company that makes Fire Emblem, and they said hey, we're going to give you one last chance. Don't screw this up. If you do, Fire Emblem's gone forever. And they made Fire Emblem Awakening, which you guys have probably heard of. Because I've heard of that one. You have heard it of woke that up. one. <laughs> it, did, it did extremely well. It ended up selling, to this date, uh, 2.2 million copies, which is a lot. That's more than the amount of Cybertrucks that have been sold. <laughs> that is. <laughs> and Awakening was a very good game. I enjoyed Awakening. It, it had flaws. It was not as good as Path of Radiance and Radiant Dawn, but it was a very strong game. And it, in a sense, did very much revitalize and save the Fire Emblem franchise. Now, in, in other senses, it took it down a different road, and there's a lot of argument as to whether or not the way that they took it was a great idea. Because it started to get into more... You, you needed ac- accessibility to new players, because that was sort of something that Fire Emblem didn't have. There wasn't 
really a great way to get into Fire Emblem. Like, I mean, start with Path of Radiance. That's the best one. But I feel biased. <laughs> I sense. Oh, bias. I'm I'm absolutely biased, but uh, okay. my bias is correct. Okay, so okay, that, that's okay. the difference. And with with that, it's not an opinion sense, if it's a fact. It, it, that's true. And <laughs> facts my and words logic. are facts. So with this with this new shift, you had you took away a lot of the difficulty of Fire Emblem because they introduced like uh what was known what's literally dubbed casual mode, like that's the name for it in game, where it takes away that permadeath feature, and if your units die in a chapter, you get them back in the next battle. That's groovy. It, it is. It's it's nice for new players. My first Fire Emblem game. I am a new player. I I, I played that and I played it on casual mode because. I was a wee little baby and didn't want to lose my favorite units. And, yeah. A wee little baby. After Awakening was Fire Emblem 14, uh, which was otherwise known as Fire Emblem Fates. And that released as three separate games, Birthright, Conquest, and Revelations. And each of them had, like, a different route that you could take based on, like, in the story, who you sided with. But the problem was... I don't think it was a good idea to have released them as all different games. So, so here's the thing, right? I, yeah. If you don't mind me jumping, it's like go, go ahead. it's like forty bucks per game. Yeah, it's forty dollars. So you have forty dollars for Conquest, forty dollars for Birthright, and then twenty dollars for Revelations, which was the DLC. That's a hundred dollars for a subpar game. That is a hundred dollars. Yes. Oh, hundred dollars for a subpar game. What is this? Call of Duty? Ah uh, ha ha. Mm-hmm. Uh, good job, uh, Nintendo. Uh, 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 Call of Duty yet. Woo. I uh, I haven't played a Call of Duty game since um, I played Black Ops 2, and then I've played Let's World go. War 2 a little bit because it's cheap, because uh, I got it for cheap. Um, but uh, I heard Modern Warfare. The new Modern Warfare is pretty all right. But um, Fates was still a success economically. Uh, God knows why. But um, it, it did not sell as well Awakening uh, within like that first week, but ultimately it has sold, sold more copies then Awakening, and I, I just think that that's due to, like, the, the split having sort of, like, the Pokemon game style where it's two games, and then you also have the DLC on top of that. And I'll get more into why that game is garbage later on. So then after that... Dude, he's got a full thesis. Absolutely. Uh, I There was Fire Emblem 15, which was a remake of the second game, Gaiden. And Fire Emblem 15 was a wonderful game, but it was also really, really annoying gameplay-wise. Because it was, it was basically the old game, and that's why it was yeah, so hard. Yeah, yeah. They, they, didn't change, they didn't change enough of the old game. They took too much, and some of the stuff with the old game, it, ugh, they, they should have changed it. And that didn't sell anywhere near as well, and that was due to advertising. It ended up, like, to date, it sold, like, 200,000 copies. That's, that's about as many Tesla Cybertrucks <laughs> have been sold. Is that, is that our unit of measurement? Yeah. All right, we measure in Tesla Cybertrucks. And then after that, that was the last 3DS game. And then after that, you had the release of Fire Emblem Three Houses. I've heard game. of that one. I'm glad you have heard of that one because that's a fantastic game. And I haven't played it. That was for the Nintendo Switch. And it basically took everything from Fates and made it like 3 million times better. You have four routes in that game, but you just pay $60 and you get all of them. It's you get one game. You get one game. one game. You get one game, but it's like four games. So much it's wonderful. Con- it really is so much kind. I love that game. It's like, it's an oh amazing game. Just the story and the characters and all that. So let's talk about why Fate sucks. 
please. Let's let's We're just getting jump into right it, into boys. Okay, so, We're so getting so into I it. I just want to preface this though. I played Fates because I want to get into Fire Emblem. I hated it. Yes. Do not start with Fates. I hated it. I will tell you because you either get Conquest, which is a pretty solid game gameplay wise. Like it's really good song, but it's, though. It's difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult. Conquest was my first game. I kind of regret it. Um, it. It's it's a really really hard game. Like some of the maps are just crazy annoying, but and then you have Birthright, which Birthright was insanely easy, and it, it was meant to be like the baby mode version. And then you have Revelations, which is like the the b- between the two, because the idea in the story is you can you can either side with one of these two kingdoms. Um, you have Nor and Hoshido, and the idea is you play as Corin, who you've probably heard of in your favorite game, Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> I uh, have heard of that character. <laughs> Another Damn. one of the generic swords. Actually, he's, uh, no, he's, no. Different. he's different. Corrin's cool in Smash because you got like the dragon stuff. That's cool. I like that. That's that's the best game that Corrin has appeared in. He has Corrin has a sword. But and he has a dragon projectile. Arms. He has tippers. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, she. She. Sorry, she. she. Come on. Yeah, you're right. We, Come we, on. We, we talked about this. Okay. Absolutely. Pronouns, Jared. Come on. Gosh. <laughs> So you play as Corn, and the idea is you were raised in this uh, kingdom called Nor, but actually you you find this out towards the beginning of the game. You were actually born in this other kingdom, Hoshido, and these two kingdoms, they don't like each other as kingdoms do when they are close to each other and have different kings. And, I thought of a you know, great joke, but I pretty, can't say it because we'd have to censor it. <laughs> <laughs> pretty Pretty early on. You know, you're forced to choose between these two kingdoms, which I think happens too early in the game. You don't get enough development for either of them. And you can either side with one, side with the other, or in Revelations, you... Uh, side with both. You side with neither, and oh. you try and find another way. It's kind of siding with both because you end up getting the units from both. So okay. it's, it's, it's like that. And uh, it's just... Story-wise, the games were not strong at all. Um, again, remember, it's like... You pick a side, yeah. And that's one game for forty bucks, and mm-hmm. then you pick another side. So, wow! But and then there's also like it has the decision moment, and you're supposed to pick from one of the three. But if you don't hit the one that you paid for, then it tells you, "Oh, sorry, you got to pay for this game, idiot. Go out and spend another forty dollars." And you're just like, "Wow, okay, I guess I don't get to side with this one." And then you go out and pay forty dollars because you're a dumb brand loyalty consumer. And that's why Three Houses is amazing because exactly. it is the opposite of that. And you just buy one game. three houses, not two kingdoms. Absolutely. And you get a pick in one game. So that's nice. Actually worth it. Mm-hmm. So in, in Fates, the main character, Corrin, is very dumb. Corrin does not make smart decisions, and it's very infuriating. Nice. Because as a game that was advertised, it's like you get to decide your own fate. There's one story, There's one decision that affects the game, and from the rest of that, it's just watching Corrin do dumb stuff. Um, I, I'm going to spoil a bit of Conquest because, ahead, because that game is I don't trash. think the don't game mind. is valuable playing for the story. If, if you're going to play Fates, play Conquest. Do it for the gameplay. Don't touch any of the other ones. Um, Conquest, the, the idea is you're, you're, you side with Nor in Conquest. And um, the idea is your adoptive father, a guy named Garon, um, he's not a nice guy. You, you look at him and you're like, wow, that's the villain. And he is. Um, he's, he's actually, as it turns out, he's been possessed by this big demon dragon. Doesn't say how, why, none of that. He, well, he just kind demon of dragons just possess people. Yeah. 
and and he was allegedly a good person before, but you know, like what the you don't I'm know. Need you never some see statistics that. for that. Yeah, need I, some facts, some yeah, hard I, evidence. They, they say he is. That's just that you go you go by word of mouth. Well, that's uh, that's not good evidence. It's not. That it's would really not hold not up in a court of law. And to to save him, there's there's this throne in um in Hoshido in the castle that apparently if you s- sit on it then it's supposed to like cleanse you or like reveal the truth i i don't know it like reveals the truth of someone it's never explained why or how any of it works or if it is it does it very poorly and in order to get your adoptive dad to sit on this throne what do you do kill him <laughs> you conquer all of hoshido that's that's corin's game plan you just conquer the entire kingdom kill their army walk through the towns literally killing their civilians that happens for him to sit on a chair. For him to sit on a chair. And then when he does, you end up killing him anyway. Wow. Nice. This sounds like a great game. Yeah. This sounds like a fun game. And there's just a lot of stuff where Corrin should have seen like, wow, this character was bad. And then it's my, very obvious. My favorite is the meme where um, one of the character wants to get revenge on that guy. And, and in the game, like he's like, I just got to charge in and kill him. So it's like, oh, I have to race against time to really get to him. But what does it say in the game? It says... The, the revenge, uh, lusting revenge of this kid, um, it will happen soon. But he only has twenty turns before it happens. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah it, you have you have your um your, uh, actual brother in Hoshido, and he's like the crown prince of Hoshido. Yeah. You know, big guy named Ryoma, and he's like, "Wow, Corn, I can't believe you betrayed us. I'm going to kill you." And then you start the map, and it says you have twenty turns before Ryoma attacks Corin. You better save him. Woo. And his, his act the, of rage won't say it's like it's like wait the, this doesn't make goal, any sense it's so dumb it's just like it's, it's the, so funny the though. goal of the map is literally to go into the room you have to like do this little side thing to unlock the room and then you have to go into the room and kill Ryoma with your other units and basically destroy like the honorable battle or whatever that they're ha- that they're having but he's like yeah I'm not gonna hold back Corin but he holds back but, yeah. but he holds back for 20 turns and then after that he ends up um there there's this bad dude working for Garon and he keeps trying to like show uh garon that corn isn't actually loyal and he keeps get, trying to get corn to do bad stuff like kill civilians and corn's like no i don't want to do that and then he does it anyway because corn's dumb and um he's like well now that you've uh bested ryoma all all on your own strength and merit you need to kill him to show your loyalty and uh corn's like no i don't want to do that so ryoma is just like hey I, I got this and then kills himself like the japanese Wait. Sapuku, he like sticks his sword into his stomach. He commits Sudoku. Yes, he does commit Sudoku. And it's and you're like supposed to feel something, but you're not because Ryoma is not built as a character at all. He's in, in that game now. If you spend forty dollars for the other one, absolutely, because that's the one where you side with him and you get to play as him. And it it, it it's a mistake of a game, and they. On top of that, you have a lot of characters that just are there to fulfill tropes. They're very, very one-sided. They have their one personality trait that appears in every single time that they speak and nothing else. That That's all that they do. Um, there's a very infamous character um, named Camilla. And um, she's, she's known for uh, the gratuitous amount of fan service that her outfit gives her. That's uh, it, I, I, I won't, I I won't develop more. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but C-A-M-I-L-L-A. she. C A M I L L A. Yep, Camilla. Camilla Fire Emblem. Oh she's, God, I'm so she's sorry. She's a character, and she's very you're over doing the top. Fan, you're searching for fan service in the podcast studio, which three of the four walls are glass. Yeah, turn the computer that way. There's there's no glass on uh, that. I'll let you know. I have I'll, no shame. I'll let you know if oh, anyone's walking by. So the, the Camilla is very Jesus like Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets it. I genuinely have no idea I'll who, do it. who I'll this do character it. is. Yeah, yeah. Go go ahead and pull it up on your phone, Jared. Yeah, go. But, you um, keep going. You keep going. Ca- Camilla, she dotes on Corin a lot. She's very like overprotective and oversexualized, and it's it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. And then it's just, she's like your adoptive sister, which that's another thing. It's Fire Emblem up. has this. They they introduced in some of the later games the S like there's there's been this support system throughout the whole games where you can like have two units interact with each other and you can learn more about them and then like the main character can then S support a unit which is like in the game like canon marriage and they get like bonuses in battle when they fight near each other. Well, that's a little excessive. It, it, it yeah, definitely it is. is. Uh, he, he was looking at a photo of Camilla for context. Uh, so you you can like marry, but um the thing is in. In Fates, you can marry all of your adoptive siblings and your real siblings and it's the one that up. is canonically pushed. The, the, the canonically pushed marriage for Corrin is Corrin's cousin. It's messed up. I'm like, not joking. This is like, like everyone's uh, like, why yes. do I want to yeah. play? The, like, you, it's, the Dark I, Ages. I, did, I didn't play Birthright because that's the one that, that that's the one where you play with your real siblings. Um, yeah, that's the one I but, played. I hated it. Yeah, and you can S-support your, like, you can marry your 14-year-old sister. It's like... It's messed what up. What is this? Ah, uh, yes. And then, the how Nintendo? And then, this is Nintendo. And then, like, you have a kid with her, and then, like, the kid is, like, a unit that you battle with, and that kid is older than her because of, like, some weird hoops that they have to jump through with time travel that doesn't even work or is... It's not explained. What? It's awful. Yes. It's an awful game. It, there, There's so much... It had such strong potential because the idea of having this, like, moral conflict between these two kingdoms... Could have been such a strong plotline with such a strong game, but there's so much they did wrong for the sake of trying to appeal to different audiences. So, uh, enough uh, bashing on the bad game. We're going to talk about the good games, which are Fire Emblem 9 and 10. I mean, there are a lot of good games, but those are the best ones. Um, they're, they're known as the Tellius games because the continent that they take place on is known as the continent of Tellius. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good reason for calling a game. I, I would I would have to agree. That's a that's a great reason. <laughs> okay, so why are these games good? Well, they they do a lot right that Fates did wrong. They have they they have very strong story, very fully developed characters, and they steer clear of a lot of tropes because your main character Ike, um, as as opposed to what you've I seen, like Ike. we we like Ike, we all like Ike. I just now realized that Ike was from Fire Emblem. <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I believe- know that name. I've seen that name in Smash. Yeah, dude, he's the big guy. Dude, he looks big like sword. the same art style as the chick. Sword. We won't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you, I believe you were outside of the room. When yeah, when I, when I mentioned Ike's part. name. Oh, yeah, yeah he was. So Ike, um, he's as opposed to what you have in past games where they're, lo- where they're royalty, they're known as like, the lords, the main characters, because they're all descendant from royalty in some way. Ike is a mercenary from start to finish. Nice. He he stays a mercenary, and he very much 
stays true to his own values. Those are like obviously good values and he like wants to help people and stuff. But he puts himself first and he seems like a very realistic person. Like he's someone that you could meet like real life. And so except for the fact Jared, that he's not get real. ready to censor this. Okay. So you could say he's a pull, but like a good one. I, I don't think that's the right word. He has a very strong and good sense of morals, but he, he does, he, pri he prioritizes his mercenary, mercenary company. He makes sure that they're getting the job done and doing it right. And there, there's a lot of development that Ike has and a lot of like the learning about like the world building and how the game works is Ike learning this stuff for the first time. And it, it fits. It works very well. Because you got to play as him discovering yeah. while at the same time having actual mm -hmm. choices in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, like, everything they tried to do in Fates was just – it's not even comparable to Ike. Yeah, absolutely And then um, a, a lot of the conflicts in the game are very well-developed. You have the, – the, there are two races on the continent. You have Bayork. They, they call them Bayork, which are the humans. And then you have the Lagoos. And those are – Put put very simply, furries. They are okay, they're like, they're people with okay. like slight animalistic features that can actually like turn into actual animals, and that's how they fight. I thought you said this was a good game, but now you're telling me there's furries. In it. <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm before, getting some it's mixed a good game despite this the is furries. okay. This is like 2008. Like this is before any yeah. craze happened. Like Radiant Dawn released in 2007, okay, and then yeah. Path of Radiance was like a couple years before that on the GameCube, and the, the whole conflict is, in, in past history, the Bayork enslaved the Lagoos and basically used them for, like, slave do. labor and stuff. Yeah. And um, they, they call them stuff. There are some, like, that are really racist. There's, like, a whole nation, which, uh, you know, the bad guy comes from that nation, and he tries to, like, conquer the continent and stuff. Um, they, they hate Lagoos a lot, and they call them stuff like subhumans. And you actually see, um, this is a piece of development that I really like. Ike, actually, the first time he sees the lagoos the first time like because you know he's i he's not sheltered but he's just lived in his country as a mercenary and like the the lagoos and the bay Arc are very separated like they have their own countries and stuff and they don't interact much the first time he meets them he refers to them to their face as subhumans because that's all he's ever heard that's all he knows them as and then they obviously get very mad at him and they're like well you can't call us that and he's like oh i didn't realize that and then from then on he not only calls them Lagoos, but then he tells other people off for calling them subhumans. It's 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 good development and it just shows like that he he learns like huh. you would expect a human being to, not like corn. I do in fact expect human beings to learn. That happens. I at least so I've been told. I'm yeah. at a place of higher education. I've been told I'm learning. I, I hope I hope we're learning. I like to think I am. And then and then the characters in um, the Teleuse games are also just like all of the characters are so well-developed, mo most of the characters. Because um, you have bad characters in every Fire Emblem game. It, it happens. You can't, you can't win them all. Um, they're, they're just, they all have really strong depth. There's one character called Jill, and she, she comes from this nation that I mentioned where they all hate the Lagoos. And she was basically raised to be in the military. Uh, she's a wyvern rider, which is a really cool unit. They just ride on dragons and kill people. It's it's wonderful. Technically speaking, wyverns aren't dragons. They call them dragons. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're basically dragons. 
they they um they have the same uh type weaknesses that the dragon units do so they're they're basically the same thing weaknesses is in like Ma- magic magic arrows, arrows yeah arrows and magic. actually what? in radiant dawn they're not weak to arrows really? for okay, whatever that's, reason they that's, just share the same weaknesses that, sounds that busted. dragons do that sounds it's busted, busted. Okay. they're busted in that game okay. i love that it sounds busted so the the characters they're just so well developed and jill like i mentioned she comes from this nation where she was raised to hate lagoos so much that she was literally raised uh subhumans are the enemy uh, subhumans are evil. Subhumans must be eradicated. Like she was taught that at a young age in school, and she mm. goes out into the military for the first time. Like she meets Ikeban, and at the time they're fighting these like bird lagoos because there are some that are, they can like turn into birds and stuff. Because um, these guys are like pirates and they're trying to steal from their ship. And she's like, "Yeah, let's kill these subhumans. I'll help you out." And then, you know, she ends up joining Ike's company, and she starts interacting with these lagoos that are friends with Ike in a part of that company and she starts to realize that everything she's been taught is a lie and it's just like everything she knows just kind of gets flipped on its head and you, you can just see like this internal conflict in her that grows she's one of the only characters that can actually like convert sides if you don't if you don't um have her interact enough like build up that support system that i mentioned with a certain lagoos unit like if she's not friends with them then she can actually end up leaving at a certain point in the game if something happens it's wacky it's it's interesting and then on top of that uh the gameplay of the Tellius games is just very very strong because it, it caters to new players in what i think is a healthy way because it doesn't detract from the past fire emblem games it doesn't introduce new mechanics to make the game easier for them it just it That's teaches good. them it, it gradually builds them into it I like that because it's, I'd rather have like a deep game with like mechanics mm-hmm. based on that game instead of just adding like oh let's add this extra unit and like oh special ability. Yeah. Unit. Okay. Okay. It's really nice, and it's 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 still got like the permadeath feature and all that, but I mean you can obviously save scum if it's really important <laughs> to yeah. you. Yeah. Um, it they're they're very strong gameplay wise. Uh, Path of Radiance is one of the easier ones, but it doesn't sacrifice anything to be easy. It just is, and that's why I recommend that is what people start with when they first play the series. And then Radiant Dawn is one of the harder games. It's Boy, it's a sequel to Path it's, of Radiant. It's a sequel, yes. yes. Uh, I don't I don't think that people should, if they're playing the series for the first time, I don't think they should play Radiant Dawn immediately after Path of Radiance. Really? Unless, unless they like, if, if Path of Radiance is their first game, because I think you need a bit more experience to play Radiant Dawn just because of how difficult it can be at Good. times. But both of them just have really strong gameplay. Um, they're well-designed maps. They're fun. Even, like, the challenging ones, you know, they're they're infuriating at first, but once you, like, get the rhythm down, figure it out, then you're like, wow, this is pretty fun. And it, it's it's a memorable game. Both of them are very memorable games. Cool. And yeah. So, like like I said, they also have really good music. All, all Fire Emblem games do. have insanely good music. Even, even Fates had... I, a great okay, soundtrack. I love Fates. Okay, there's mm. one thing, Fates. I really love the field theme of Fates. Yes. It's like my, my favorite mm-hmm. game Fates songs. had amazing music. They, they did that right. Oh my god. Really it, it's hard to screw up Fire Emblem music. Totally. And so, that, that sort of brings us full circle, because I talked about the bad, I talked about the good. So, if you're looking to play Fire Emblem for the first time, I would recommend, obviously my recommendation is Path of Radiance, like I've said, but the problem with Path of Radiance is that it's not exactly very readily accessible 
Um, there's the cost factor if you want to play the physical copy. I recommend that you emulate the games. Because it's impossible that's, to get that's, them. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to do it. And it's just, uh, unless you're willing, willing to spend $150 plus the money for a GameCube, it's, it's not a great situation. So if you're, if you're not willing to spend that money and if you're not willing to emulate, I recommend that you either start with Awakening or Three Houses because both of those are catered towards new players, but neither of them necessarily completely sacrificed that sort of like OG fire. Yeah. yeah. They, they do to some extent, which you see in all of the newer Fire Emblem games. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they're still good games to start with. They're good games to build that foundation. Um, beyond that, you, a lot of the other games are too difficult or too easy, and they, they don't build a good sense of how Fire Emblem works, in my opinion. It, there's, there's a lot of varying difficulty in Fire Emblem. Okay. It's, it's interesting. And then lastly, all I have to say about playing Fire Emblem is do it on your own. It's really, it's really easy to get into the rhythm of looking up guides when you're stuck, but it, it recommends that you, you use this unit or that you beat a map this way or that like you reset if you lose this unit. Like it's, people don't realize that it's okay to have a unit die. You do not have to reset for every single unit because that, it's part of the sacrifice. You know, and you can definitely make it. You there are thirty chapters, and there's about thirty chapters in your average Fire Emblem game. And usually, um, if you lose one unit per chapter, you will still have more than enough units for the final chapter. It's it's still you, you can still pace yourself very easily. So it's just making sure that you play it in your own way, and that you make the games what you want them to be. Yeah, I like that's, that. That's really all I've got about Fire Emblem. I know, I know that that was a wow. lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I, that was a thesis. That... Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Player 3 Podcast. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.